This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. The busiest mixed race, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, mask making, Gulf Coast Cosmos comic book co-owning, Asian American Podcasters Association Golden Crane Award winning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 126 and I'm going to ask y'all to bear with me again. I'm kind of, I'm, uh, I'm fighting, slipping into, slipping back into, um, another bout of major depression and I'm fighting it, but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the greatest place right now. So I also have to apologize that I'm not going to have the most informative intro today. I wanted to record a separate, um, solo episode that kind of address some of the things that are going on outside of regular episodes of Militantly Mix, but, um, I haven't had time to be able to do that. So I'll try to do a quick abridged version of it here, and then let's get into the episode because the episode is pretty good, and I'm excited to share that with you. First thing I do want to highlight, as I started last week, I started highlighting content created by other mixed race content creators, whatever that is, books, podcasts, films, TikToks, Instagram channels, things like that. And last week, I highlighted Swirl Girl, Coming of Race in the USA by author Teresa Stovall. This week, I want to highlight another book that I've talked about on this show before, Mostly White, written by author Allison Hart. This is a fictionalized version of her own family history. She kind of created a family history where she didn't have information. And it's about four generations of mixed race women, Black, Irish, and Indigenous. It is... This one is actually like, even though I don't have a a part of this story it really really hit me on a on a personal level when i got a chance to read it because allison's book was the very first time i was reading a story that was intentionally written about mixedness it's not like i haven't read books before that had mixed characters or anything like this but this for me was the first time that i knew i was about to start reading a book about a mixed race family and that the mixedness was at the center and the focus of the story it is a novel, and like I said, it is sort of a fictionalization of her own family history. Uh, but it is an amazing book. It charts four generations of mixed race women, and I, I just can't say enough about it. I did get a chance to meet Allison in real life before the coronavirus changed everything. I believe it was last January, although it may have been January two years ago. You know what? It was January two years ago. 
that I got to meet her in Pasadena, California, because she was coming out here for book signing. And that's only about a 45 minute drive from me. So I had a chance to meet her in real life and we've since become friendly and we have participated in um, video panels together and we continue to talk here and there. So I wanted to both highlight her and her book. So you can pick up her book, Mostly White. Um, Again, I like to highlight independent bookstores. So if you have an independent bookstore in your area, or if you go to IndieBound.com and search for an independent bookstore in your area that you can order the book from, you can also order it directly from her publisher, which I will put a link on the show notes to that so that you can pick up that book. But again, the book is called Mostly White and is written by Allison Hart, and it is amazing. So I hope you go pick it up. Um, All right. The next thing I do want to address is I have pulled my shop from Teespring. There is a whole bunch I want to talk about this, but suffice it to say, Teespring, Redbubble, TeePublic, Zazzle, Etsy, Amazon, eBay, all had the same hate speech uh, shirts from the insurrection. I assume all of them pulled them at separate times with varying degrees of resistance. And it's really just because Teespring got put on blast publicly on a national level that they had to pull it the way they did. And I discovered in the course of y'all responding to my call about, I couldn't find enough information about this. I found because of you, I found a Twitter thread that showed receipts from the last three years of this being a problem for Teespring. I'm going to go ahead and assume it's a problem for all of these print on demand vendors, but I'm trying to do my best to source as responsibly as possible a vendor that I can use for my shirts. For now, the only shirt that is available is only a logo tee, and it is on militantlymixed.com on the merch tab. It doesn't come from Teespring. It comes from a company called Printful, which is known for mostly corporate printing. It's a lot more expensive for me, not for you. The t-shirts are the same price. It's a lot more expensive for me, so it's not going to be an effective fundraising tool, but at least there will still be an opportunity to order logo shirts if you want to wear one and, and rip the brand. As for the other designs that I used to have, Mixed in Hella Black, Mixed AF, Unapologetically Mixed, Beer Mixed SO, all of those shirts are going to have to be sort. I need to wait until I source a more responsible printing company for that. So I will do my best. It is not going to be easy because literally every single place that I know of as a print-on-demand company had the same shirts. They were sold on all of them. So I just have to find the company that was the most responsive or the quickest responsive about pulling hate speech items from their stores as I can. So that is that on that. I have way more to say about it, but I'm not going to say it on this intro because we got to get to the show. In acknowledgement of the first 100 days mask challenge that was put forth by our new president Biden here in the U.S., I am offering a 10% discount on any purchase on masksbymain.com. Some of you may know I also have a mask making company. I hand make the mask myself. And if you would like to purchase masks on masksbymain.com, you can enter the promo code FIRST100, F-I-R-S-T, 100, the numbers, 100, and uh, you will receive a 10% discount on all masks. I am only keeping Mask by Main open until June. And then I'm going to close that shop down forever because that was really just designed as a way for me to raise funds for COVID relief. But I'm noticing a pretty tremendous drop in business right now. And the amount of effort I put into trying to get business for that company 
is a little bit more than I can <laughs> handle at the moment. So I just want to try to sell off the stock that I have right now. And then as soon as that's all sold off, I can wrap up that business. But if I don't sell everything off before I move to Houston, I'm just going to go ahead and close it then. Because once I get to Houston, my main focus will be building my comic book shop and my studio space uh, for Main Hustle Media, Gulf Coast Cosmos, and uh, my business partner's uh, video production company, Colorbox Multimedia. We're all housing this in one place. Um, we're going to have our separate studios in the back, the comic book shop in the front, and that's going to take all of my attention. And I'm not going to be able to do the masks during that time. So again, 10% from now through February 28th, if you use the code FIRST100, I will put that in the show notes as well. All right, let's get into today's episode. I'm really looking forward to sharing this with y'all. And I'm sorry if my energy and my voice doesn't match my enthusiasm for this episode. I'm just in a place right now. So the show must go on. I always try to make sure the show goes on even when I'm I'm in my my patches of depression, but that that is what it is. So my guest today is Kendi. She is an accidental TikTok content creator. <laughs> and the reason why I say that she's an accidental content creator is because she like many of us, probably just had a TikTok account so that she can scroll through and see all the fun videos, you know, only follow her close friends or, or accounts that she enjoyed, and then maybe the occasional post. But in responding to some of the TikToks that she saw, people started to ask her questions about what her deal was because she appears to be a white person, but she has textured hair and she is triracial, which evidently is way too confusing for people's minds to grasp. And so uh, she started receiving a lot of questions and or attacking statements about her presentation and her claims about being a mixed person. In response to this, she created a video that she called Comment Section FAQ, which opens with the words, mixed is not a race. And in this video, she's playing two sides of a conversation. One side is the comment section people, the people that are either in attacking language or questioning her identity or basically telling her for her what her identity is allowed to be. And that person is represented by her in a beanie. On the flip side of that conversation, she is um, representing herself and her reactions to those kinds of comments and questions. And this video really resonated with me. It was sent to me by one of my white friends as just kind of a, what do you think about this? And like I said, it really resonated with me. Although she has more of a white appearance and I have more of an obvious POC appearance, we actually share the same ethnic mix, which I've never encountered in the wild quite to the degree of her and my crossover. I have met black, white, and Japanese people before. I have met Black and Japanese people, I've met Black and white people, I've met Japanese and white people. But in her case, her and my mix is very similar. We both have biracial parents. One parent is Black and white, one parent is Japanese and white. Um, our Japanese grandmothers married white Americans and came to the States, so we're the same generation of Japanese American. Our Blackness is different in that her grandparents were an interracial couple in Alabama, and my grandparents is, I have a Black American grandfather and a British, Caucasian British grandmother. They met in the military as well. But other than that, like we share quite a bit of crossover. So that was pretty exciting to me to encounter after reviewing the first video. By the time I reached out to her, I thought she was mixed TikTok. I thought she was like a TikTok influencer type and she was building a platform about mixedness. I did not realize that this was basically her first video addressing the comment section and, and the, the, you know, racist or hate-fueled questions that she 
get. I didn't realize it, that she was, this was the first time at the gate. Because of this video, she went from 30 followers to like 14 thousand. This video has been viewed over a half a million times at the time that we recorded our discussion. And when I reached out to her, she was blown away in a way that was really confusing to me because again, I'm going from the premise of this is a mixed TikToker. She's actively doing this stuff. So when I reached out to her and was like, hey, I'm the host of Militantly Mix, a podcast about a mixness. And I'd like to talk to you because I saw this video of yours. She was just like, what? But I'm just a regular person. and stuff. So this is kind of a crazy deal for her. And you can tell throughout most of the things, she's pretty nervous throughout the whole conversation because she didn't intend to blow up on TikTok. She just was trying to be a regular ass person on TikTok and it happened to to go viral. So we had a pretty great conversation. And what you notice from this conversation is, is that or at least this is one of those times when mix auntie Maine really came out of me is that I was talking to someone who was like me when I was 21. And I'm now 43. My knees hurt. My back hurts. So I don't have to address the comment section nearly as much as she does. But at her age and her level of access to her own mixed identity, this is still the time for her to address the comment section. And in doing so, she blew up on TikTok. This video I shared on all of the Militantly Mixed platforms, and it was one of the most engaged conversations, whether it was on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, that we've had in a while. Most of the people the video resonated with, there were a couple of people that disagreed with either the language or her mannerisms in addressing the questions, which I can view as either just a different read of the situation than the way that I read it, or that perhaps there is something in there that that I'm not seeing because I resonate with the message. And so I wanted to talk to her for that reason. That's literally the reason why we reached out to her. And I was like, I need to talk to you about this because it had so many different reactions. Even within her comments, it has so many different reactions that just goes to show you about us not being a monolith. I was surprised by some of the reactions that even mixed people had to it, but that's because the message resonated. I've had those same types of questions, although altered to suit my POC presentation that she talked about in the video. So it was interesting. And I I approached the conversation feeling one way and walked away from the conversation feeling a totally different way once I realized just how much of a, a newbie she is in this discussions about mixedness. Basically, because of this video, she's now having these conversations with more mixed people than she ever has before. That's pretty much where I was when I was that age, except for me getting to talk to more mixed people didn't really start to happen until three years ago when I started to to do the prep for Militantly Mixed. So it's just interesting because we have a lot of overlap, but I can also see if I was 21 now, I would be in a very similar boat as she is in terms of accidentally blowing up on TikTok because I addressed the comment section. Um, it was really interesting. And I'm so glad that she took a shot as, as nervous as I think she was. I'm so glad she took a shot to, to talk to me for the purposes of having more detail. Like I just wanted to know more after seeing that video. I wanted to know more. I'm honestly excited that because of this video, I discovered mixed TikTok. I didn't know mixed TikTok existed before that because I've been focusing on cats, weird potato recipes, sign language, and abdomens. I've been just looking at abdomens on, on the TikToks. Uh, There is one thing that I want to address as a portion of the conversation that we had, and that is we talked at one point about Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and African Ancestry. And I was explaining to her that African Ancestry makes you choose a patrilineal 
test or a matrilineal test because there's things that are passed from father to son that aren't passed from father to daughter. And since my Black parent was my father, I had to have a male relative take the test versus me taking the test because to get the most accurate breakdown, it needed to come from the father. And she mentioned, you know, like, why is DNA misogynist? <laughs> um, why is DNA sex- sexist? And in, in my explanation of that, I was addressing biological sex and I was talking about male and female and I wasn't acknowledging other gender identities, despite the fact that I do acknowledge other gender identities. So my problem is in editing, I realized I was saying the word gender, but I should have been saying the words biological sex. I do say male and female versus boy and girl or man and woman. But I was really just addressing at the biological sex level that there are things that pass from male to male and female to female that aren't necessarily bound by gender, but it is bound by biological sex. So I just want to get ahead of that in case it does seem dismissive because that's not the intent. It's just that I'm still working on reprogramming my language as well, even though I am a trans ally, even though I also am dealing with my own gender fluidity issues that I'm working myself through right now, I'm training my own language at the same time that I'm going through it. And I just caught it in editing that I kept saying gender, but I meant to say biological sex. So I hope that clears that up in case it is triggering for anybody, because I definitely don't want to to do that in the audience. And then lastly, if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed and sponsor the show as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. There are different reward levels depending on what you choose. And they also allow you to choose between an annual sponsorship where you pay in advance for 12 months or a monthly sponsorship, which would charge you on the first of the month every month. And if you want to support the show sort of more on a, like a tip jar basis, you can go to paypal.com me slash militantly mixed and drop the coins in a tip jar that way. In both cases, the money goes towards the main hustle media bank account and not the Charmaine Fury bank account. And so it all goes back into the show. And without the support of the fans, I would not be able to keep this going, especially right now. It is a tough time financially. So I do appreciate the support. All right. Um, again, I'm sorry if my energy is pretty low. I'm, I'm just in something right now emotionally and I'm working through it. But um, the show must go on. And it's a good thing that I have all these pre-recorded interviews because my energy is better <laughs> in those discussions than mine is right now. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Candy. Today, I am joined by TikTok 
personality? Is that what I would call you? TikTok content creator? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Whatever you, whatever you like. TikTok content creator, Candy. And the way I came to you is that somebody shared a TikTok that you created about, that started with the words, mixed is not a race. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, but we're also going to get to know you. So why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and then we'll get into it. Uh, all right. Hi, everyone. I'm Kendi. Um, I'm 21. I live in Connecticut. Um, <laughs> I am half white and a quarter black and a quarter Japanese. Um, and both my parents are biracial. And <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> well, you're good. We, we'll, um, we'll get into kind of why you decided to, to do your TikTok and account and everything like that. And okay, people learn about you that way. Okay. So again, I, I, a friend of mine had sent me your TikTok that started with mix is not a race and it instantly hit me for two reasons. The first being that you said you're black, white, and Asian. And I'm like, Oh, so am I. And then I, you know, internet (laughs) stopped and I was like, Oh shit, she's black, white, and Japanese, just like me. And I'm like, Oh shit, her parents are biracial, just like mine. And so for the first time (laughs) in our, you know, I've seen someone I'm not related to that has a very similar mix to me. That was one way that it hit. But the other thing was the actual thing that you talked about where you played yourself and somebody, somebody who's hitting you up with their opinions about your presentation and what your mix is. So why don't we get a little bit into, if not that video first, why you created your TikTok channel and then what led you to have the kind of presence that you have? (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I, let's see, I first downloaded TikTok in like 2018 or 2017 Um, and I didn't post for a very long time. Um, and then I like posted some like silly things, like one of my hamster, like in 2020 and just like recently, a few weeks ago, I posted about Charlie or maybe it was Dixie D'Amelio, something happened and I don't really follow what they do, but someone said that she, Dixie was like a registered (laughs) Republican and I, um, I just like stitched a video that was already made about it. Um, and then Trump talk found me and, um, a lot of the <laughs> comments were like, they were like, what's wrong with your hair? Um, like, uh, why is it like that? And like, mm. I personally, like now, like my hair is so much more like tame and like chemically ruined. Um, and I, to me, I'm like, wow, I'm very white passing now, especially mm. compared to what I was like as a kid but um yeah people were just like oh what's wrong with your hair and so then I responded like I'm part black that's why my hair is like that and then people were like oh my god I'm so sorry I didn't realize that you were a dark-skinned woman like and just like clowning on me and so then um there were like a bunch of comments like that and then I kept having this like conversation like where people were like no you look white and I'm like well I'm mixed and they're like mixed isn't a race and then um I just kept having that argument over and over again in my comment section so then I decided to make that video mix is not a race um and I called it like my comment section FAQ because (laughs) that was just like what everyone was asking Um, and then, and then suddenly that video just like blew up. Um, and so then I 
was like, huh, this resonates with people. I didn't realize. Right. No, <laughs> so it, I, it did with me. Yeah. And so I kept talking about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very new to it. So I'm not an expert. And this is also crazy. <laughs> so this is wild to me because, uh, like I said, when I got that video, one, it resonated. So I posted it on all of my Militantly Mixed channels. And it was one of the the most like interactive conversations that I've had within my community, either on the Instagram or the Facebook group. Um mm-hmm. The, in a while, like most of the time I'm interacting with people one-on-one and it's really kind of, it's only been this last year that people have started to engage with each other within our, within the Facebook group and everything. But in this mm-hmm. case, this like hit with a lot of the people that are, are in <laughs> the militantly mixed community. And so I thought you were like mixed TikTok. I didn't know until pretty much today. <laughs> and when you and I started talking at the beginning of this, like I didn't realize you weren't like mixed TikTok and I was going to go down a mixed TikTok rabbit hole because of you. I go and check your page and I was like, wait, there's only like 12 <laughs> videos here. And, you know, a lot of them are about you being mixed, but I, I see that you have like 14,000 followers and I'm like, man, I've had this show for two and a half years. What the fuck am I doing wrong? Um, and it's oh really because like that, that video hit in such a way that there is a yeah. whole bunch of us out on these mixed streets that feel yeah. that way or have those conversations with people. Yeah. So it's pretty it, it wild. Amazed- yeah, it is wild. <laughs> <laughs> I never expected that to reach that many people. It's like almost at half a million views right now, which, right. which is insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just made it sitting in my bed. <laughs> so it's not like I, uh, I didn't plan for that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy the things that, that do hit. Like when I started Militantly Mixed, for the first like month or so, I had 11 regular downloaders and they were probably all people mm-hmm. that knew me and stuff. But I was really like, oh my God, 11 people listen to my thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it like started to climb, you know, 30 people, 40, 100. And oh, when wow. that started to happen, I was in this is a podcast and I didn't, I was overwhelmed by the fact that people who weren't connected to me even found it, but it hasn't blown up nearly the way some mixed channels has, has on TikTok or Instagram. So I don't know like what quite is that thing. And all I can think of is every now and then you hit on something that resonates so hard that as it gets shared, your audience just grows. So I, like I said, I thought you were mixed TikTok. I did not realize that you were just trying to be a regular ass TikToker who (laughs) answered one question and it pretty much changed your whole deal. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wasn't regularly making or putting out content. Like it was just for my friends. Like, I think I had like, I don't know how, like 30 followers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't like, yeah, so it wasn't my goal, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like a TikTok stalker. I was on there. I have one video from when I shaved my head as part of my mixed race hair journey, which I started Ooh, in that. August. I thought I was going on a mixed black girl hair journey, and it turns out I'm on a mixed Asian girl hair journey because my hair has grown out like a five-year-old Japanese boy. So I'm hardcore rocking <laughs> the five-year-old Japanese boy haircut right now, and I, I did not it. realize... <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be more Asian by shaving my head. Um, (laughs) So that's the only thing I have on there. I mostly do it to scroll to like learn sign language or, 
you know, look at people's abdomens. And then now I'm, <laughs> now I'm going down the mixed TikTok rabbit hole, but, uh, but yeah. yours was the very first mixed uh, video that I saw. So let's get into it a little bit. Um, some of the things that you talked about in that particular video. Yeah. And I, I don't know, would it be okay if I actually ripped the audio and put it in? Oh, sure. Into yeah, this? Okay. No, no problem. So I'll, I'll share the audio so that people know what the context is. Mixed is not a race. Okay, so I'm black, white, and Asian. You're not black. Well, I'm not just black, which is why I also listed white and Asian. No, you're white. Yes, but I'm also black and Asian. Forcing me to identify as just white erases 50% of who I am and dismisses my experiences. What experiences? You have no ethnic features. I understand that I'm generally white passing presenting, but that doesn't mean I'm accepted in the white community. They don't understand what it's like to be mixed and are still racist towards me. Monoracial and non-passing POC experience way more racism than you ever will. How can you even complain about that? It's tone deaf and you are harming and speaking over the black community. I never want to bring my issues into black spaces or speak over the black community, which is why I'm posting on my own page. I agree that they experience much more racism than I do. I'm not even trying to compete with that. I only bring it up because regardless of how white you think I look, I'm still not accepted by white people. Since my experiences do not align with those of a white woman, I'm not comfortable being forced into an inaccurate box where I'm not welcome. Well, too bad. You're not welcome in the black community either. I know, which is why I identify as mixed. One of the, the things that hit the most with me is because you and I do have the same mix, like literally, we both have a Japanese and white parent and a black and white parent. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, that, you know, we're essentially half white, but you and I come to the world very differently. I am half yeah. white with very little white access until I'm an adult or a, or a late teenager. And you live in a very white space with your yeah. two obviously POC parents, but you yeah. are very light complected. You, you do have obviously mixed hair to me but I'm a mixed person so yeah Um, good mixed radar (laughs) um (laughs) so like when I saw your video I I was you know I'm like looking at this mixed girl and I'm reading comments of people that are like this white girl is pretending in some way shape or form and I'm like but look at her nose look at her hair look at you know whatever I get it I'm mixed I'm seeing a little bit more going on there um but the conversation you talk about is is really what I think happens to a lot of us although my version of that conversation is slightly different because I grew up around black people in a black community and was mostly accepted as black until I left that community. I didn't realize I didn't look black to people that were black. So it's not until I go out into the wild and someone asks me what I am for the first Mm -hmm. time. And I was like, I'm black, obviously. I didn't know it wasn't obvious. (laughs) I didn't know that it wasn't that people were more concerned about skin tone and not facial features. And since I look exactly like my dad, just lighter and more kind of Asian colored than than brown. um, Yeah, I didn't realize I I didn't know. So I grew up being a black girl who happened to be mixed, And then I became (laughs) a mixed adult who happened to be black. So I had, you know, I had these two different things and it looks like from pictures that I saw that you posted on TikTok, um, I think this week that you were a mixed kid and now you're a white person who happens to be mixed in terms of appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's partially my fault. I mean, a lot of it stemmed from me hating my hair growing up because kids picked on me for it and they saw it and they knew I was different. And so that contributed to a lot of like 
internalized anti-blackness because I was like, why did my parents make me this way? Like now, now I'm a target. Like, and, um, so that like kind of pushed me to beg, like as a small child, my mom, like, what can I do about my hair? Like crying about it every day. Um, and then she was like, well, you could get a relaxer. And then I never stopped. (laughs) How old were you when you got your first relaxer? Oh, I don't know. Um, I was definitely like in elementary school. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe like, I don't know, maybe fourth grade or yeah, I don't know. So my mom is a hairstylist. (laughs) And even though she's my Japanese and white parent, she only did black hair. And so in my head, I hear putting chemicals in your hair before the age of 13 or before puberty is done. Like, I'm like, Oh no, you're doing lifelong damage. So is that what you're dealing with right now? Are you dealing with damage from? Oh yeah. (laughs) My hair. Um, I successfully murdered it. Um, and now I regret it. Obviously. Um, uh, I haven't gotten like, um, a relaxer in maybe like a year now, a little over a year. Um, because the last time that I did it, my mom was helping me and we got distracted and left it in for too long. And like half of my hair fell out, (laughs) but I mean, I have so much hair that like you could, you can't tell that I'm missing half of it, but (laughs) it was, it was, uh, it was devastating for me. (laughs) And I like went, I like went in, I didn't want to like shave my head. So I like went in with scissors and just like cut all of the damaged, like, pieces out of my head so I have a lot of different hair lengths going on it's all blending in because it's curly but um, there are times when your hair looks like half straight and half wavy in a video or something like that versus when it looks like you just decided to pick up and get on right quick versus when you yep (laughs) like styled it before um so yeah I guess I could see that so that makes me stressed out that you felt bad enough at that young of an age to start getting chemical treatment so young. Cause it does like it, yeah. it, short, short of you shaving your head now and it growing out naturally, you're probably going to be dealing with that for a really long time. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. yeah, I understand that, 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 that can be stressful. So, okay. Well, before, before we get further on, where do you get, I know you said the last one you and your mom did, but where do you get relaxes in Connecticut? Um, I, growing up, I went to this one Dominican salon where my mom had been going. Um, and then, (laughs) so I, yeah, I would, I would do the, get them there, but also my mom and I would just do them at home. Okay. (laughs) With like Uh. the the kind you get at Walmart. (laughs) Oh no, even Walmart is even more stressful because I guess there's not a whole lot of black beauty supplies where you live either. Yeah. I mean, right. So it's interesting that what got you to becoming an inadvertent mixed TikToker is that something political turned into something <laughs> racist, yeah. which turned into you like claiming yourself online and and yeah. and kind yeah. of fighting that. I'm sure it's rough and probably really disheartening at times or whatever. Are are you dealing with something right now? Because I saw there was a series of videos. That Ooh, I guess yes. there was an unfortunate cut that made people misinterpret your intent. Is that yeah. something that was happening right now? Can you talk a little bit about that? Do you mind? Um, it, yeah, no, it, that's fine. Um, it has basically ended. Um, I'm still getting a few comments here and there, but um, I 
I was making a series um, about how even though I like I'm the whitest mixed person that they might have ever seen, <laughs> I right. still have experiences with racism, facing it directly or by being around it and being aware of it growing up because of my family, um, especially growing up in a super white area where it was not a secret and there was no way I could keep it a secret that I was mixed. Um, And um, well, there are uh, like two main things that people got upset about. um, And the first one was me calling it racism in the first place because there's like, understandably like my experiences with discrimination are not on any comparable level to the experiences that darker or more visibly POC people face. Right. Um, And because race is like phenotypical people, some people um, think that um, because I appear white to most people that I can't experience racism (laughs) because I phenotypically present as white. Um, And I understand that and I respect that. And like going forward, I'm like trying to monitor my language just to be respectful of how different my experience is from theirs um, Mm -hmm. to like ethnicity based discrimination. But yeah, my, my reasoning behind using the word racism is because the definition of racism encompasses like discrimination on the basis of ethnicity as well as race. Right. Um, like give us a word that would work in yeah. this case. Cause with mixed people in particular, we, yeah. we either hover between like, I don't have a racial identity. I, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. not clearly defined. I have, I have black facial features, which fall under the umbrella of phenotype but I don't have Mm -hmm. the skin color and therefore I'm not experiencing the same level of racism as my darker skin counterparts. That being said, I'm an obvious POC and therefore I do experience racism based off of what their expectation of my level of brownness is, (laughs) you know, but I, and I'm going to probably experience more overt racism maybe than you do. Well, you probably experience more subtle racism or yeah. casual racism than I do yeah. because you or like appear white. After, yes, yeah, exactly. And it's like also m- the vast majority of my like experiences with being discriminated against um, happen after I provide context, whether it's involuntarily or not, whether it's I get stalked on the oh, internet and people find yeah, my yeah. parents or, or like after I'm just with my parents existing or someone like, I, I don't know. There, there's a, that, that's, so that brings me to the second thing that upset people was I was, I began listing like the certain contexts in which I then the input in a position where my ethnicity can be weaponized against me. Right. Um, and so I started by listing off like, if I get pulled over alone, I'm not getting racially profiled and I almost a hundred percent won't experience any racism. But if I'm driving and my mom is in the car or my brother's in the car, then that provides context. And I think that I do look like my family members. And I think if you see us all together, like you can tell that we're related. And so I feel like in, in that certain context, like there's the potential for, for it to be weaponized against me. 
but I, but it cut right there. Um, but I was also, you know, gonna get into, (laughs) I think I mentioned like anyone who I go to school with or my teachers or their, like my peers, parents, like things like that, where I can't, I have no control and can't, um, can't hide what I am. Um, but yeah, it cut off, um, right at like the car statement. Um, and so many people took that to mean that I was perpetuating the idea that adjacency to racism is equal to experiencing it yourself directly. Um, and that okay. was not the point. So and that, that was, was not what the was point. confusing. I was <laughs> is yeah. that when I listened to that series, I didn't pick up on yeah. what was pissing people off. Uh, and, yeah. and in listening and then pausing to read your apology statement, that's what gave me the context I needed to see what other people were seeing. Um, yeah. And again, I'm coming at it with a mixed lens. So a lot of what you're going to say, I'm going to be able and also I'm a mixed podcaster. So I've heard yeah. a lot of stories that would indicate like if we don't have a similar appearance, um, something that you might experience that I don't. I now have a window into that because I've had a chance to talk to a bunch of people. So I, yeah. I know that I'm in a different position than most people that are, you know, ingesting that content. But I was listening to it going, I don't see it. And then you provided the apology comp- context that I needed to go, oh, so I didn't realize that that's exactly what people were saying, that they were in, they were in, they thought you were implying your adjacency yeah. as equal. OK, I see now. OK. Yeah. And and that in addition to the language using the word racism when I appear white. Um, personally, I, I feel like racism isn't only like, I feel like it's a very narrow, um, definition if you're Mm -hmm. only going to include like discrimination on the basis of skin color or, or features, because I definitely get treated differently by people who are racist (laughs) once they find out because how I look doesn't really matter to someone who mm-hmm. believes in blood quantum and, and uh, like the one drop rule and all that right, to them. Right. It doesn't make a difference that I look white. They just get angrier because they're like, how dare you try to pretend to be like me kind of thing. <laughs> mm. Like in, in a, in a theoretical sense, not that I've had like this specific experience, but like, again, like I understand and I, I wish there was a word that wasn't just the general prejudice or discrimination because that could mean so many different things. Right. I wish there was a word for for what for what I experienced that isn't also stepping on the toes of the black community or watering down any anyone else's experiences, et cetera. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I could articulate that better. Yeah. And I I understand that, too, because I find myself because I have an ambiguous presentation or appearance. Yeah. um, And that's a whole nother thing. The the word trying to figure out passing, presenting, assuming an appearance and and what works for people the most. I I do like to exclude the word passing only because I I do think that that is a a contextually something that we can talk about from the past when people literally. Yeah protect themselves in in passing whereas now i think mm-hmm. 
appearance presenting or assuming whatever makes someone the most comfortable i think those can be kind of interchanged but with that in mind we we found words right we found words that we can use to describe this phenomenon of being a mixed person a person who is mixed with people of color but may not present as a person of color we found those words so we can be in a position right now to find a word that more accurately depicts a version of racism that people like you or even me to a degree because i'm i'm still a lighter skinned person but i'm right i'm present as a person of color um we could come up with something and we could we could insert it into into our vocabulary now that yeah yeah. before but but people get really fixated I think sometimes I've experienced it too I haven't experienced that much negativity probably because of the way that I put myself out like because I'm, I'm a podcaster who happens to have a podcast Instagram the people who are on my Instagram are most likely listeners Versus the random person that like is searching for the hashtag mix and they come in and say some stuff. It happens, but it doesn't (laughs) nearly happen as much as I saw in your comments. And so I I think that that's more of like the the way people are accessing us. Yeah. But if you don't have another word, how can it be held against you that you're using a word that has a context that people can generally understand? And even if you did say uh, racism adjacent or something like that, yeah. It doesn't necessarily change what the phenomenon that you're explaining is that if you walk down right. the street by yourself in a predominantly white space, you're most likely going to be viewed as a white person. Unless somebody has a person of color in their family, then they might be able to pick you out a little bit more when they see your hair or something like that or your features, yeah. maybe. But if you're standing next to your mom, I imagine it becomes a lot more obvious that you are her child and therefore a mixed black person. It, or yeah. <laughs> if you sit next to your dad, I, 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 it's, it's hard for me to even identify my Asianness until, like I said, I shaved my hair and became a Japanese five-year-old boy. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah. I imagine if you stood next to your dad, a similar thing might happen where someone goes, Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because as my dad has gotten older, as, as I've gotten older, my dad has become a lot less Asian presenting and a lot more white presenting oh interesting um which is it's it's very interesting because the photos of him like holding me as a baby and stuff he looks super asian um Mm -hmm. and you can and like his childhood photos he just looks like this cute little japanese boy but like (laughs) but now like he looks like he could be any any like old white person (laughs) oh really (laughs) like wow so I mean, in my opinion, but like if you if you look at him and you know, like you can tell, but I feel like he is a lot more like I I, I don't know. I feel like he gave that to me a little bit, but Mm. putting us next to each other, I feel like we look very similar and I look like his mom as well. Um, My girlfriend just saw a picture of my my dad's mom um, recently and she was like, yeah, you guys have like the same face. (laughs) So I feel like. If, yeah, if I'm put next to them, I, I look like them. And my mom and I, I, I'm always told that I talk exactly like my mom. Mm. Um, so all of my friends are always like, yeah, you sound just like your mom. <laughs> so I don't know. I That's feel like there's, there's all these little. Uh, I, yeah, with me and my yeah. full brother, like same parents and everything. We look yeah. two different ethnicities. 
like mm-hmm. same thing. He also doesn't have a racial, an obvious racial category. He does favor whiteness in, in his features, but he's sli- he's slightly darker than I am. And he's like a hipster, like a Portland hipster. So he he has all the familiar symptoms of whiteness, but just happening to be a little bit brown. And mm-hmm. and then I'm like also vaguely yellow brown, but I I'm a hood kid. And when I'm around other hood people, it's super obvious that I'm a hood kid. This voice that I speak mm-hmm. with now is something my aunt worked on with me when she took me away from my dad to, to rescue me from my situation. She worked on mm-hmm. changing my accent so that I could get a job or be more professional. And while I know that was well-intentioned back when it happened, yeah. That, now that has me feeling a kind of way, but back then it didn't. I understood what she was doing back then. Right. Um, yeah. And so like this voice is my code switch, but you put me around a whole bunch of black people and all of a sudden I'm a, I'm a more obvious black girl than I am right now, you know? Yeah. Um, but I look just like my cousins who are three quarters black and one and a quarter white. Like we resemble mm-hmm. more in our faces than I even, even to my full my full brother. And then I have half siblings yeah. that are um, black Mexican and Swiss Italian and, and English too, because my, my dad's mother is from England and mm-hmm. we look alike in the face, but one looks white with blonde hair and one looks Mexican, but we all have a similar face. So it's a weird thing of like how you can, you can stand next to family and not look like family. You can stand next to your closest relatives and not look like relative. But yeah. in my case, yeah. I can stand next to cousins and suddenly I make sense. My face and my, yeah. Yeah. everything it, yeah. it is it is really it is really strange how that happens i did see some pictures yeah. from that tiktok of, of your family um your brothers are pretty <laughs> brown and the, when they, they were little, are. and now they look like mixed black boys or is yeah, this is there they, one or is there two yeah i have two um one is 13 now that's crazy and um the other one is how old is he 19 so they're they're like my little baby brothers, but they're so old now. And I hate that. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, yeah. they look totally different from me. They look more similar to each other now. But the youngest one, when he was a baby, he had like, similar to me when I was younger, like blonde, like super curly ringlet, long hair. Mm. Um, and then, and now he has more of like, he looks like my other brother was just like more coarse, dark, and like his skin got a lot darker. Mm. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know, but all, all of my siblings, me included, changed a lot as we yeah. grew up. Um, <laughs> and I feel like the change never really stops. No, I don't think it does. I was a fully yeah. Japanese baby when I was born. If you if you look in pictures of me, I had the big round bald head with the cupid doll <laughs> point spike at the top. I had super Asian <laughs> eyes. And then oh. by the time I was like five, I was a mixed black girl. I was just pale. That was the only yeah. thing is I was pale. Um, I mean, comparatively, I was browner than then than I am now, but mm-hmm. I was pale compared to other black kids in the neighborhood. Um, so it is. I think it, you're constantly shifting. And just like I said, I thought I was going to venture on a mixed black girl hair journey. And it turns out I'm on a mixed Japanese boy hair journey. So <laughs> you don't know. Love that. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. Awesome. So do you feel at all pigeonholed now into like creating mixed content because that's what happens or are you? 
Are you going to continue to do like just casual and see what happens? I mean, it's been like being able to connect suddenly with so many other mixed people that I never even knew like would relate or like existed on the internet, like, and care. Um, that's like you said, yeah, like you said before, like that, it's, that's like medicine. Like it's, it feels so it like, it's filling like this hole that I didn't really know I had. Mm -hmm. Um, just like with growing up with all the invalidation and like not feeling enough of any one part. Right. Um, and so that part has been really good and like encourages me to, to want to keep putting out videos like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the other hand, it's like really hard to turn it off and like stop replying to every comment and like, like mean comments or like, it's hard because it's like so personal Mm -hmm. um when I'm like putting painful vulnerable stuff out on the internet and having people like tell me um like what I am or how I should feel um it's it's hard to like put that away and like it it makes me like sometimes it crosses my mind like why did I put myself out there like this is my fault like if I didn't if I didn't want to experience this like I shouldn't have posted about it Um, but at the same time I feel like my whole life it's just like never talking about it always Mm -hmm. like not making it anyone else's problem like (laughs) deal with it internally (laughs) and I I don't know it's 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 hard <laughs> yeah so I get that like I, I like I really really like being able to connect with other mixed people that's new and great and I love that and we'll probably continue making content about this but yeah the other part is is hard <laughs> it's certainly gonna play into your journey and you know not to play mixed auntie real fast but I'm going to is that what comes with with this kind of thing that you're doing is going to age you a little bit quicker in terms of your response to the negativity. I mean, I, yeah. it can go one or two ways, right? You can really internalize it and it could just fuck you up. Or you could be like me and be like, my knees and my back hurt too much to put up with your bullshit. So I'm just going <laughs> to not pay attention anymore. Yeah. But it's also has a, it plays into your, your own identity. I mean, at 21, you've probably already run the gamut of, am I a white girl? Am I an Asian girl? Am I a black girl? Am I a mixed girl? You know, that's probably happened all the way throughout your childhood, just like it did with me. And there's times, you know, I said, as a, as a child, I was a black girl who happened to be mixed. And then I became an adult where I went out into the, um, into the, the civilian non-military world. And suddenly I was a mixed girl who happened to identify as black and I had to like really work on whether or not that was okay where I lived and all that kind of stuff. Now that I'm 43, I'm merging back more into the I'm a black girl who happens to be mixed because that at the core is who how I grew up and and how my personality was formed. My personality was formed in Long Beach and that is a very black space to me. And so Mm-hmm. I, the more that I get access to people that are some grew up similarly to me, it feels more like home. And I'm, I'm like reverting back to that feeling and I'm not apologizing about it. Like uh, your identity is yeah. fluid and depending on what you learn about yourself or what you learn about others, which is something that has happened to me through the show yeah. is that in hearing your story, I'm absorbing that and something I'm going to learn something from it. And this has now happened across 120 something 
episodes that I've had now with people. And because of the show, I've also interacted in other spaces that are very mixed spaces, conferences, Mm -hmm. um, you know, social groups, what have you. And from every single person I talk to, something is informing my mixedness and I'm learning and I'm growing. So if you listened, if you were to chronologically listen to my show right now, you would hear me be problematic about some things. Then you hear somebody tell me something and I'm like, oh shit, that's new. And then by three episodes later, I have done the work internally to deal with that. And so now I'm owning it like three weeks later, three episodes later. And so this is going to happen to you if you keep going down this path. You'll get tired. Yeah of the people you will <laughs> I was just gonna say like I'm sure that I'm not gonna agree a hundred percent with myself now that like in five years or ten sure. years yeah um and I've obviously never never done a podcast before um so this is all uncharted territory and I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm making lots of mistakes along the way um but yeah <laughs> I'm I mean, open to learning and growing from all of right. this for me, I feel yeah. like because um, because I don't think I've been like so grossly problematic that that I like, oh, my gosh, I need to, you know, dial it back or I need to delete that thing or something like that. I'm, I'm I won't mm-hmm. do that because I feel like this is part of the whole thing. And yeah. And, and, and as I learn and grow, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to say, yeah, I thought that based off of what I knew and what I had interactions with back then, this is what I thought. But now this is what I think. And I remember, I'm glad that I know what that is now, because if I had labored yeah. under that delusion, I would have still been like that. And, you know, yeah. I think over time, it'll inform your mixedness. You'll start to get the medicine, you know, like I said, when when you interact with people who just needed that kind to know other mixed people are out there is in itself very validating to other people and when you see that something you created validated someone you get more validated like it's this weird (laughs) it's a weird thing you'll see it um I I I think you will see it over time let's talk a little bit more about you though because we've mostly focused on what happened that that brought you (laughs) my attention (laughs) <laughs> what is your access to both the, because you grew up in Connecticut, predominantly white area, what is your access to your Japanese-ness and what is your access to your blackness? Um, yeah, so my my mom's side of the, of the family, the black side, they come from Alabama. Um, and I, as a kid, was close with my mom's parents. We got to see them often. And my grandfather, um, he was a civil rights activist in the 60s. He was in some newspapers and he marched with MLK Jr. Um, on the South and was in a relationship with his future wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I mean, interracial marriage in, in Alabama was still illegal in, in 2000. So like, that's so wild. I mean, we all know the like, amount of things that Alabama has forgotten to take off the books. Yeah, I I went to um, the University of Alabama for my um, first year of undergrad, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it, I was like sitting in my dorm room when they like re- like rebanned abortion. Um, Gosh. And like my roommate and I looked at each other and we were like, there's no way that the, like this just passed. Um, and it was just a reminder that I was in the deep South mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a different world. and like, yeah, that's it. 
it's a it has a scary history for sure um I don't want to say anything too problematic <laughs> about Alabama. I don't want to get canceled by Alabama because I, I do, I have family like in Alabama still. Um, and they, they love being there. And I, and I know that there's a really strong like black community there. And unfortunately when I was at school, I wasn't, I didn't have I, you know, I wasn't in a good mental place. I wasn't really making friends. I was just trying to get by. So I never had the chance to like really connect with the state in the way that I would have liked. Mm. Um, because that is where, you know, my family comes from. Right. Um, and I mean, just recently when I got my 23 and me back, we like my family found out like what specific countries um, are our uh, DNA comes mm-hmm. from. So that was new. And it's a, just a whole mix of a bunch of different places. I, I don't even. I can explain I that can't. a little bit um, if it helps, uh, just because. Yeah, I'm sure. Too. If you do 23andMe or Ancestry, they don't have as yeah. many markers from the African continent as okay, African yeah. Ancestry does. So what you're capturing there is the Bantu tribe and the Bantu people originated in Kenya and they migrated south into South Africa and then they migrated up the western coast of Africa. So if you're an American who has black heritage because of the transatlantic slave trade, you will have Nigeria, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Ghana, um, probably Gabon. My family's actually from Gabon, Um, things like that. You'll have that because those are all the places that the Bantu spread out to and mingled and then became other tribes. So so that's why you're seeing so many African countries under your 23andMe. If you were to take well, actually, you wouldn't be able to because you're female. But if you're if one of your siblings, your brothers or your father, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Either your brothers or your mother's father um, took the African ancestry. They have over thirty five thousand markers on the continent so they can get down to what village or what country or what or what general vicinity they your the bulk of your DNA is from. And so in my oh, case, wow. if I'm on ancestry, I see that I'm from. Ghana, Cameroon, Nigeria, um, Congo, stuff like that. I see all of those. If I go African ancestry, which my uh, male relative of mine took the test for me Uh because I couldn't take it um, because my father is my black parent. um, They got us down to three actual tribes in Gabon. So now I know what tribes I'm from. It's way more expensive. So like it was, it was a, I was really going through it and I was like, I fucking need to know. So I saved my pennies until, until I got it. And I just had my male relative spit in the tube for me. Um, And that was really helpful. Like it's helpful to know where the bridge back to the continent is for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of times it, also it'll, you'll find that with the Asian side too. Cause I think like me, you probably have a whole bunch of Japanese and then a little bit of Korean and possibly yeah. some Southern <laughs> Japanese Island in the case, same thing. Ancestry and 23andMe are white owned companies who have a whole lot of white markers. That way they can tell yeah. you exactly where in, in Europe your people would come from, but they wouldn't yeah. necessarily be able to tell you where ex- precisely in Asia and Africa you'll you'll be at. So I don't know if there's an Asian equivalent yet available because I don't think Asians really care. Like 
at least <laughs> back home. I don't think they really care the way we do. Uh, but yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll find, um, that's why you'll find such such a vast amount of countries from the African continent. Oh, yeah, that. That, that makes sense. That's kind of along the lines of like what I was guessing. Um, the we come from nomadic be. people, so you yeah. see a lot of a lot of traveling throughout the way. Um, I um, why why is DNA so misogynistic? Why can't we just have the markers? Well, it's funny because, and this is a whole other thing. So I'm a oh, sorry, I'm about to nerd out because I'm I'm a hardcore nerd about this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> genetics, we're all female. Yeah. And then something has to happen to to dose us with testosterone to make us male. So we're technically like 80% of our um, growth and development and as we're fetuses is lived as a female, you know, you're, you're developing as female and then something happens and boom, you get that dose of testosterone if you're, if you're going to be a boy. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, the ones that stay female also get a dose of testosterone. It's just a lower, a lower thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But there is something specific in our genetics that travel from father to son and gets passed down father to son, father to son, father to son, father to son, that does not replicate in female lines. So like right now, if I were to spit into the tube, which I did for ancestry, I would pick up blackness because my father was black and he had a, and his father had a mother who was black. And so I'm picking up stuff from her. So what I'm saying there is predominantly the matrilineal DNA. Um, But, but for the stuff that the markers that are, that go from father to son, that's why I had to to pay for my male relative to do it because I'm the one who wanted the information. They didn't mm-hmm. care, but they were willing yeah. to spend the two for me if I paid for it um, <laughs> to get that like deep dive down. Yeah. I had to have him yeah. take the patrilineal test. Now, if I get a, f- I can probably do it, but it would be better if it was one of my full or monoracial black relatives. So like if mm-hmm. I have a female relative, which I do, who's considering taking it, um, if she takes it, she's going to pick up the matrilineal side. So she'll get what came from my great grandmother. And in mm. that case, we might find that there's a whole nother country or no whole nother village that we actually come from. But um, but yeah, that's sort of how that works. You'll also see that with with um, indigenous population as well, because given what happened to the indigenous people on this continent, they're not actively yeah. just giving away their DNA, you know, like white people literally created the concept of blood quantum. So they're not out there like, yeah, yeah. take my blood and test it out. Um, so you're not going to get that much Native American. You might be Native, you might have some indigenous in you and not even realize it because it's not going to appear on one of your tests. Wow. Because they might yeah. not have a person in their file that comes from the same DNA group as you. So they don't have any way to identify it. Yeah, I did see some comments um, talking about that, and I didn't participate in that discussion because I don't have anything, I don't know anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, about it. I just was learning from what Indigenous people were saying about these tests. Yeah. Um, And yeah, they they were basically saying that. And yeah, it, it puts it into perspective a little bit more like it is just a corporation owned by white people who and it's like a white centric experience yeah because i can find out exactly what village and wells that my great-grandmother comes from from ancestry but i can't find the equivalent of that for my black or my my asian side what i can find with ancestry is american mixed black populations 
which is really weird. Like they yeah. happened to because there were pockets in like Virginia and stuff like that. The like after um, slavery, where they were able to create their own community. There's markers mm-hmm. that are from just that community, and they were able to find. Oh that. wow! And they happen to be mixed people. So. It's a, you know, things like that will pop up on Ancestry a little bit more here because it is also an American based company. But yeah, right. so sorry to nerd out. I'll probably cut out a bunch of that or maybe repurpose it for <laughs> something else. But, um, but yeah, it's just that I've learned about it so much since doing it and also in talking to other guests who have, were able to inform me about the indigenous stuff and stuff like that. So if I, yeah. if I, if I receive it and I can pass it to somebody, I try to, yeah, I try to keep that. <laughs> Thank going. you for sure. <laughs> no problem. This is all so, so interesting to me. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to be having this conversation regardless. <laughs> yeah, I think like the 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 thing, the unique position that we find ourselves in as mixed people, especially yeah. when it comes to like our DNA and where we come from. And especially if we don't have access, like if we're multi-generational immigrant, you know, families here in, yeah. in the U.S. in particular, and we have that much removal from where we come from, learning little things like that, you know, being able to find something, some little nugget from somewhere that says, hey, yeah. you came from here. There's a weird kind of meaningfulness in it, I think, that helps. I mean, for me, I didn't want my identity to change if I saw my results. But at the same time, I was terrified that I was going to find out that I was like 9% Black instead of 25%. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because, because no. my dad is Dang. biracial, my mom's biracial. I was so terrified. And then to find out that yeah. I was mostly of that 25 expected 25%, I was mostly 22, 23%, you know, it shifts a little bit on ancestry sometimes. Um, it was yeah. such a relief. I was like, oh, so we didn't get that many white masters up there fucking up our genetics. You know, like there was this weird yeah. kind of relief in that and, and a little bit more validating because since my primary identifier within my mixedness is my blackness and my black culture, yeah. to find out I would be like 9% would have just wrecked me. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and me, me too. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Like, did, does it have to be that important? Because from day to day, I'm still me. I'm still Charmaine. But yeah. there was something about needing to know. And, you know, I went through it. And I know that, like, as Black people, we tend to be a little suspicious of something like Ancestry, rightfully so. Yeah. I got to a point that I, I needed it more than I was afraid to do it. And in doing it, yeah. I've since learned so much that, is, that has been really meaningful for my own personal identity. Now, now that I know what tribes I come from in Gabon, I'm not out here claiming that I'm Gabonese. I'm just <laughs> saying that, like, my African ancestry is the Atike, the Sogo, and the Kota people of Gabon. And of those three tribes, what I've learned, I'm attaching myself more to the Kota tribe because there's more things about my family and me that I see in what I've learned about them. So I'm mm-hmm. like attaching to that identity a little bit, but not in a way that where I'm just like, yeah, I'm an African pygmy, y'all. And I'm not doing that, you know, but I'm yeah, yeah. happy to finally have a place that when I can afford to do my pilgrimage, I can go and probably see people that if not are distantly related, come from the same people that my ancestors came from. Um, That's the step. That's the step that I really want to do that I think would be helpful. That sounds incredible. Yeah. (laughs) 
one day one day we'll get the funding and we'll do like a big old heritage trip and you know we'll make it we'll make it work uh what about your japanese side how much access what what generation of japanese is your is your father yeah like here in the states yeah my my dad was born here um in massachusetts actually um but his mom came from japan and she was a kid during World War II um, and survived all of that terrible mm-hmm. shit that happened in Japan. Um, and she fell in love with an American. And I guess he, I, I never met him. My dad never met him, but he was part Ashkenazi um, okay. because 16% of that showed up in me. Um, and we, and we knew he was Jewish because he had a Jewish last name, but I okay. never, I don't have any connection to that side of my family. I don't know anything about them, um, at all, but, um, so yeah, then they, they moved to, um, Massachusetts and my dad's younger brother and then my dad was born. Um, and then his mom remarried. <laughs> um, and then my dad took his adoptive dad's last name. So I actually okay. have like an, an Irish last name, um, oh, okay. but I'm not Irish. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, so yeah, that's another interesting, my, I do have family that lives in Japan and they, um, when I was younger, they, they came to visit a few times. I, I really want to go visit Japan. Like I've never been there. Um, I don't have a super strong, um, connection besides what my family stories are, um, personally, just due to like, yeah, the assimilation. Yeah. 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 It's a very typical Japanese American story is that, you know, even to the degree of like, I don't, it's only right now that I'm kind of accessing Asian-ness versus Japanese-ness because I was Japanese in my grandmother's house, but we weren't allowed to be Japanese outside, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because the military told her you can't teach your kids Japanese. It'll confuse their brains, which is amazing, but it was. Oh my God. And, And so she was always really scared of that. So even by the time I came around, it was like pulling teeth to get her to speak any Japanese around in college. When I was taking Japanese, she wasn't very helpful because she still had that going on. But as an adult, when I was out of her house and 30 years old and learning and kind of trying to speak it to her a little, that's when she started speaking back to me or or telling me if I pronounced something correctly or not and things like that. So I don't have I don't, I had, I have fluency at all. I understand more than I speak. Um, I have the mm-hmm. accent of an old Japanese lady, which other Japanese will mm-hmm. uh, identify and ask me, why am I using old lady talk? Um, <laughs> stuff like that. That's so, funny. you know, you get, you access it however you can. And, and, yeah. um, and, and that's sort of, sort of the thing. But we are coming a little bit close to the end of this. It, it has been really nice getting to to chat with you. I, you know, I yeah, had expectations based off of the video that I saw and I wanted to get into some of the things and getting a chance to talk to you. I, I can really see like where you're at right now in your, in your mixedness <laughs> and how people are, man, people are just going to be informing the hell out of, of how you identify over the next few months as your TikTok continues to blow up. <laughs> oh, yeah. But what I like to ask all of my guests, because sometimes talking about mixedness can be pretty heavy, I want to ask, what do you love most about being mixed? Ooh, 
Well, now I'm grateful, like so grateful that I have the hair that I do, even though it's damaged. Um, I, I, I really want to get my curls back. Um, and I, I, I love my mom's hair and I'm just, I'm happy that that was passed down to me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I, I love being able to like, just know all, even though like a lot of the history is, is painful just having knowing that like my ancestors all like survived these crazy things and were strong enough to for me to even exist is Mm -hmm. is crazy to me and sorry am I losing my voice (laughs) (laughs) just I I don't I'm just like so I feel so like grateful and and humbled that I come from so many, like such a diverse group of people that I, they would never in a million years have imagined that their, like their DNA would get passed on. And like, I don't know, I'm just just kind of rambling, but like, um, I don't know, just, just having all of the, these different connections and, and being aware also, I'm glad that like, I, not glad, but I don't know how to put (laughs) like that, that like I grew up with, with this lens, um, Mm -hmm. that I'm able to like see how I differed from my peers growing up and how that gave me a different perspective. And I, I don't know, I'm just grateful to like, to have parents who come from varied backgrounds and they, you know, pass on their knowledge to me. I wish I could like be more articulate (laughs) right now. Well, I don't Um, prep people for this question because I kind of want to get the authentic sense of what somebody does really enjoy. And I think you're you're, you're capturing it. It's just, you have never been asked that question probably. Yeah, not, yeah. I, I can't even think of anyone who's ever really asked me that before. I'm, I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I don't know how to like put it into words it's just like I'm grateful that it's who I am um yeah I'm proud that um I come from all these different people and I want to meet them (laughs) yeah thank you so much again for for joining me and having this conversation uh once you're a guest of the show you become a cousin so welcome to the family uh why don't you let everybody know how to find you on tiktok or any of the channels that you want to share um, yeah, on Instagram and TikTok, I'm Young Kendi, Y U N G Kendi, <laughs> and I don't really have any other social media, so okay. that's it. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes too, so that so that people can follow your posts. Thank you. And everything. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. 
turn your side hustle into your main hustle. 